Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so would you now light up our hearts, open our eyes, our ears, so that we can see and hear and then live in response to what we see and hear here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So more to life than happiness. That is what we're thinking about this evening. More to life than happiness. And I guess someone will say, well, that is exactly what I'd expect Christians to say. Do you know? More to life than happiness. Because, you know, being a Christian obviously means you need to be miserable and serious. No fun here, please. Now, some people are smiling. Can you stop smiling, please? Because this is, that is not appropriate. You see, you know the kind of thing? Is that what we mean, then, by there being more to life than happiness? Well, I hope not. But it's worth asking exactly what we mean by happiness. When we think of happiness, we, of, we often think of a positive feeling in the moment, as it were. That is happiness. Is there anything wrong with that? Well, you know, surely not. But even non-Christian psychologists recognise that a life lived pursuing that kind of immediate happiness, right here, right now, well, that can actually lead to all kinds of problems. So even non-Christian psychologists recognise that. The Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson has written about this at length. But you can sum up his message like this. He says, don't pursue happiness for its own sake, but enjoy it as a byproduct when it comes. And uh, there are two reasons why it might be unwise to pursue happiness for its own sake, he reckons. One is that it's very much here and now. So if you're pursuing that kind of here and now happiness in the moment, well, it makes you highly impulsive. It makes you stop making you think through the consequences of your actions. And, uh, you know, and then you don't realise that if you choose the thing that will give you happiness right here, right now, every time, the result actually may be greater unhappiness down the line. And that leads to an ever more kind of frenzied spiral of poor decisions in the moment, searching for happiness, while the long-term effect is deep unhappiness. That is one reason not to pursue happiness just for its own sake, right here, right now, all the time. The other is simply that we live in a world where a lot of the time... Lots of people, including ourselves, will spend periods of time where we really aren't very happy for all kinds of reasons. And that is because that is what the world is like. Um, in the words of that great quotable film uh, in The Princess Bride, the, uh, the dread pirate Roberts has this wonderful line that I love to quote, life is pain Highness, anyone who says differently is selling something. And uh, it just kind of rings true, doesn't it? Life is pain. And the problem then is, well, if you make happiness your number one goal in your life and you live in a fallen, messed up world full of pain, well, what do you do then when happiness doesn't come and that's your number one goal? Then what happens is you feel like a failure. And the result is even more unhappiness, you see. 
In fact, setting happiness as the ultimate meaning of life would seem crazy to most people alive in the world today and most people throughout world history, if you think about it. So Jordan Peterson, again, he calls happiness cotton candy. I think, in, I think that's what in England we call candy floss. Is that right? Cotton candy? Same thing? But anyway, you know, it's fantastic when you have it, isn't it? A bit of candy floss, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live on it. That would be a bit too much. But here's the thing. Despite all that we've said, it turns out the Bible is concerned with happiness. Happiness isn't a terrible thing at all, but we just need to understand what true happiness actually is. That's the point. And that's what we're going to focus on here in Psalm 1, page 543. The psalm begins with that word, blessed. Blessed. Which is a massive jargon word, isn't it? It's one of those words that you just say, oh, you're Christians, that's what they say, blessed. Oh, it's lovely. I mean, people use it in all kinds of slippery ways. But here in the Bible, if you say someone is blessed, what you're essentially saying is they are truly happy. That's what they're saying. Truly happy. This is what true happiness looks like. And not necessarily in a right here, right now, feeling elated kind of way, but actually a deeper way, a long-term sense of security, of contentment with life. People sometimes translate that word blessed as fortunate or lucky. Uh, not in the sense that things are happening randomly or by chance, so not in that sense of fortunate or lucky, but in that sense of, ha, huh, things have turned out unexpectedly well, that we might use those words for. That, that is the sense of what true happiness and, and this word blessed is about. Things are well. True happiness. Well, what is it then? Three things to see here in the psalm about what true happiness looks like. So first of all, we need to understand, in order to understand true happiness, we need to understand, first of all, true wisdom. True wisdom from verses 1 and 2. So blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his Lord day and night. So he's defining what being blessed is, what it means to be truly happy. And he says it begins by thinking about which voices or which voice you are paying most attention to. Are you going to listen to the world or are you going to listen to God? Now, do you notice that movement in verse 1? So it, 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 we're, we're invited to join in with a walk. So someone's, being li- someone's sort of listening and they're being drawn in. You know, imagine sort of walking down the street and someone kind of runs up alongside you and says, hey, 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 you need to listen to this, you need to listen to this. And, and at that point you have a choice. You can either just cross the road and say, no, thank you. Or you can kind of, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll walk together and I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. And, and you listen and as you listen, you then stop to kind of concentrate harder and and really take in what's being said. And then finally, you sit down because you want to be totally absorbed in what you're being told. Do you see? That's the kind of movement that we can see here. But the psalmist is warning us, you see, if you're doing that with voices that aren't God in his word, the Bible, 
That is the beginning of a life of unhappiness. That is what the psalmist is saying. Don't listen to those other voices. Listen instead, verse 2, to God in his law. And, and the word law there is a way of talking about the whole Bible. Everything God has said in his words. That person, he says, delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it. On everything God has said. See, a lot of the time, our happiness and our contentment are directly linked to what voices are the loudest in our lives. They're directly linked to where we find wisdom for life, in other words, what our source of wisdom is. So that means the question is, what matters more? What do we consider to be true wisdom in our lives? Is it the opinion of our non-Christian friends and colleagues and the world around us and social media and all the, all the loud voices in the media in all kinds of different ways that shout at us and say, listen to this, this is the way to live? Is that the loudest voice? Are those the voices we pay most attention to? Is that what we think true wisdom is? Or is it the opinion of God in his word? Now, we, we probably know what the answer to that question is meant to be, don't we? But think for a moment. When our friends or our colleagues or, or the swirl of opinion out there in the world all scream at us, that may, you know, they might scream at us, you know, Christianity is for losers, and the only thing that matters is what makes you happy right here, right now, well, when those voices are screaming really loudly, we can begin to just sort of wonder, well, maybe, maybe they might be onto something, maybe they might be right. So the psalmist is saying, don't walk with them and then stand with them and then sit down with them. But instead, listen to and meditate on God's word. And the thing is that when you do that, well, what happens when you, when you listen to God's word? You hear some pretty strange things. You hear some things like the second reading that we heard from Matthew chapter 5, where we hear an even bigger list of things about what it means to be truly blessed, what true happiness looks like. And so we hear the extraordinary things. Do you hear that in Matthew chapter 5? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. And so he goes on. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What an extraordinary thing to say. It doesn't sound, any, none of those things sound like happiness. Certainly not in the eyes of the world around us. They don't sound strong and prosperous. They sound weak. And then we hear in other places, we hear things like Jesus saying, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, and certainly in the eyes of the world, it doesn't look like true wisdom. It doesn't sound like a recipe for true happiness. But the psalmist is saying, no, this is true wisdom. If you want to be truly blessed, if you want to be truly happy, you've got to listen to God and his word way more than you listen to any other voices in the world, because this is where true wisdom for life is, and therefore this is how you're going to find true happiness. Okay then, well can you prove that to me please, Mr. Psalmist, so that I really believe you? And that's what he goes on to do in, in verses 3 and 4. So the reason... God's word is true wisdom that leads to happiness is because it gives us true flourishing, verses 3 and 4. So in verses 3 and 4, we see what true flourishing looks like. And he says, okay, that person who, who listens to God over the world, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. But on the other hand, not so the wicked, 
they are like chaff that the wind blows away. So can you see the difference? It, it's striking. The wicked are the ones who would say uh, that, that, that they are the ones who are living a free, flourishing life, doing whatever they want. So, so the wicked would say, you know, what a waste to give your life to Jesus Christ and let him be the boss of your life. What a tragic waste. Well, the psalmist says, no, you've got to understand it's the opposite. You see, people are saying that, they're going to get blown away like chaff. Chaff is the kind of bits that get left over at the end of the harvest, the little bits of dust on the floor um, that you just sort of sweep up at the end of the day and discard. It's going to get blown away. But those who stick with the wisdom of God's word are like a tree planted. Now just think for a minute about this image of a planted tree. So a, a tree that's been planted is not just there in the ground in that particular place randomly, is it? It's been put there. It's been planted there. It's, it's been planned to be there. You see, so often our lives feel like they are all a bit random. It's all by chance. There's no order. There's no direction. But what the psalmist is saying is the one who trusts Jesus and is meditating on his word is planted by streams of water. In other words despite what it may feel like, they're always where they are meant to be in life. Do you see? It might not feel like that, but it's the reality. So if you're a Christian, if you're trusting Jesus, you can say, I am living my best life right here, right now. Not because I've got the lifestyle that everyone in the world is supposed to say would make you able to say that you're living your best life. No, you can say that because you're right where you're supposed to be because you are planted by streams of water because you're trusting in Jesus in the New Testament Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as being like a river of living water welling up within those who trust in Jesus so that our thirst is satisfied forever you know when we're looking for that elusive happiness in the world the problem is that we're always thirsty. And uh, we think, you know, we think one day, I think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quench my thirst by getting this thing. And we think, oh, yes, my thirst has been quenched, but it's always just for a moment. And then we're thirsty again. And we find we need more. But here in Jesus is the promise of thirst that is quenched forever. Because the Christian can say, because I've got Jesus, I don't need anyone or anything else in order to live my best life, as it were, to be truly happy. You know, other things that God might give us are great, and we thank God when he gives them to us, but we need to realise we're already planted by streams of water. And so he says, whatever they do, end of verse 3, whatever they do, prospers and you might think well hang on a minute I mean is that really true because I've done plenty of stuff that's frankly failed miserably I mean really you know we might think but again how are we measuring what this prosperity is see if you're if you're a Christian what you do matters and what you do has value even if no one else sees it you see God sees it he sees you and he cares for you if you measure whether you're successful by whether other people think what you're doing matters or has value 
Well, you, you will in the end be miserable, won't you? But look at the world through God's glasses and suddenly everything you do is for him. You know, whether you're caring for a, a friend or a family member in need or you're struggling with your exams or you're doing another load of washing or whatever it is, he sees it and he says, you are my child and what you do matters to me. It has value. And that is what true flourishing looks like. And we must see this, must we? we must see this and believe it because you see the world around us, the wicked, the sinners, the mockers of verse 1, well, the world around us will just tell us it's all nonsense. You know, how, how can you possibly be happy without a six-figure paycheck? They will say, you know, how can you possibly be happy without your perfect relationship and house and lifestyle? How can you possibly be happy when, in obedience to Jesus, you choose to go his way and not the world's way on sex and relationships? You know, no, how can you possibly be happy, the world will say. And the psalmist says, no, you, you haven't even begun to understand what true flourishing looks like. See, when the Christian endures suffering because they trust in Jesus, they're flourishing. When the Christian says no to temptation and yes to following Jesus because he's the king and he's kind and he's worth it, they're flourishing. And when the Christian gives up their time off and their holidays or even their entire career to make Jesus known to others on the mission field overseas or close to home, they're flourishing. And that is where true happiness is found. Well, if we're still not convinced, the psalmist finally takes us to the end. So thirdly, finally, and briefly, true life, verses 5 and 6. Look to the end, says the psalmist. Therefore, verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You know, maybe we still think, you know, you know, oh, this is all very well, but living my way right now is just more fun. And that's what I want to do. And the psalmist is saying, in effect, the psalmist is saying to us, well, if you're going to say that, you're being like those passengers on the Titanic. You know, the ones in first class and, and the ship has, has been struck by the iceberg. So it's got a massive hole in it and it is going down. Um, but they're sort of carrying on eating and drinking and saying, it's all going to be fine, and, you know, I want my, my, you know, my nice um, wine, please, and, you know, my nice uh, dinner. I, I mustn't have that delayed. You know, I need to have everything lovely now. And they're ignoring the reality of what is about to come. That is what he's saying here. He's saying that there will come a day when those who, who, who act in the way that he calls the, the wicked and the, the sinners and the mockers, well, they won't stand on the day that God judges the world. See, there is a day coming, he's saying, when God will call us to account for how we've lived our lives. And the thing is, at that point, what difference will a few years of kind of defiant, me-centred pursuit of here and now hedonistic happiness make when eternity is at stake? 
The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. In other words, yes, there, there, there will be a day of judgment, but those who have their trust in Jesus will be safe, not because of anything we have done, but because Jesus died in our place on the cross. And when we trust in him, we can know that we'll be taken through that day that is coming into eternity. That is what is on, on offer to us when we put our trust in him. And so whatever we think about happiness here and now, it will be nothing compared to the joy and happiness then. So where do we look for happiness then? Well, there is more to life than, than settling for day-to-day, moment-to-moment happiness here and now. So I started talking about Jordan Peterson. You know, people like Jordan Peterson, they kind of got it half right. You know, Jordan Peterson is brilliant on the problem. It doesn't work to live merely for happiness here and now, but he's far less clear on the solution. And that's what we find here in this psalm. Because where we need to look to find true happiness that lasts and that actually quenches our deepest thirst and meets our deepest needs and makes us like that tree planted by by streams of water so that we truly flourish. Where we find that true happiness is when we look to God's word for wisdom and stick with that. That's when we truly flourish. So don't believe the lies of the world, he's saying to us. That is where we're going to find life that lasts forever. Let's pray now. Father God, thank you that you are a God who cares deeply about your people and about your world about all that you have made thank you that we can trust you that you long for us to be truly blessed truly happy by listening to you by going your way by trusting in Jesus so that we can be forgiven and have a fresh start so that then we can be planted by streams of water, truly flourish and prosper and stand through the judgment into eternity with you. We praise you in Jesus' name.